Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. Let's pray before we get started. Father, we need to hear from you. We want to hear from you. And we have set aside this time this morning so that our hearts can be postured to receive. And we pray that we would be mindful, attentive. We would fight off the distractions, Lord, that would try and pull us to other areas of thought and give you attention and allow you to invade our lives and to change things that need to be changed. Lord, bless this time, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a copy of the scriptures, open up to James chapter 4. If you need a copy, um, raise your hand. And I don't know who's back there. They're all serving lunch right now. Well, these guys, look at these guys. Man, they jumped up. No one's raised their hands, guys, but thank you. Um, If you do need a copy, raise your hand and they'll get you a copy of the scriptures. Um, James chapter 4, we're continuing our conversation entitled Reality Check. And what James has been doing throughout his letter has been challenging faith to be one of substance, challenging us to have a faith that is real, and also exposing the false things that show up many times that we call faith. And we've exposed how our language and and the way we communicate is so critical to what we really believe that it's not enough to just say, hey, I believe in God, and then to slander people and to talk and malign people, that that doesn't line up. In fact, you, through your words, create the future that you are going to be living. The things that you speak have an effect and they can have an effect for good or for the bad. And his whole time has been challenging us in how we live with each other. And it's important that we maintain this contextual attitude. Otherwise, if we lose this narrative in this letter, we can jump to some strange conclusions. And here is a chapter where we don't want that to happen. If we will take the things that James presents to us here in this chapter this morning, it will radically modify your life. It will affect every relationship you have in a positive way. If there are struggles in your marriage, understanding, if you are willing to take the things and listen to what James is saying, it will radically change how you get along with your spouse, how you are affected by the people around you, and just teaching us how to live with others. Let me ask you, the first question he asks us, What causes or what is the source of fights and quarrels among you? What are the source? What what are the reasons that you quarrel with the people around you? I want you to think in your mind just of those things. Think about this morning when you were getting ready to come here and the argument you got in with your 
wife or with your kids on the way over here. And you're thinking, how do you know I got an argument with my wife and kids? Did you bug my car? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> At work, the people you're working with, the co-workers, and the arguments you get in with them, your, your brothers, your sisters, your, your classmates there at school. What are the reasons? What is the source of the fights that take place among you? And then he answers the question with a question, and he says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And you see, what we tend to do is think of reasons that are outside of us. Another, the reason I'm having a fight is because they did this. The reason I'm at odds with this person is because of how they treated me, because they, they said these things about me, or because this person took that position at work that I was in line for. And so what we do is we blame the anger and the quarreling on circumstances outside of us. And we can point to someone we don't get along and when we ask why, it's because of this reason. They were rude to me. They, they took advantage of me. They, they stole my girl. You know, whatever it might be, you have this reason outside. But what James is telling us is that the reason for quarrels among you is because of something that is happening within you. So it's not the circumstances. That's not the reason. It's not because he did this, or she didn't do that, or they acted this way. The reason for the quarrel has to do with something that's taking place within you. Now already, some of you are saying, nah you're saying, it's because they did this. That's why we're corn. Don't be putting it on me. It's because of this. You know, the clearest way to see quarrels and why they take place is to look at kids. And see, why do your kids fight? When we had more than two, because we never had one, we started with two, and so when we started with two kids, we, we changed vehicles. I had a, a truck. I loved my little truck. And, and then we had kids, and so I had to get a car because we needed room for two. Karina and I were so happy in that truck. We drove up the coast, and, and it was wonderful. But then we had two, so we had to get a car. If we had one, we might have been able to squeeze them in the middle, but we needed a car, so we had the two in the back seats, and then we had another one, and, and for a while, we fit him in the middle of the other two, but you know, when kids are small and they're in car seats, they do this kind of thing, and so here's this baby in the middle, and his brothers are just poking him in the face, and so it's like, okay... We, we need more room, and so we, we did. We got a van, a minivan. And we were happy about it. That was a weird thing. You know, I was like, oh boy, we got a van now. We got more room. And so we got a minivan, and then we had another one. So we had four children all together. And you would think, you've got room. You've got plenty of room for the kids. No more hassle, no more fighting. Oh, no. 
where you sit in a minivan apparently is very important. And so we're in a hurry getting ready to go somewhere. All right, everyone get in the van. Come on, we got to go. And all of a sudden, he's in my seat. Well, sit there. No, that's my seat. Okay, give her. Why does she get this seat? I don't want to give her this seat. I want to be by the window. I don't want to be. Oh my gosh, it's just a seat. What's going on? And the reason there's quarreling is because they didn't get what they wanted. Now let that sink in a little bit because nothing really has changed. (laughs) The reason there's quarreling among you is because you're not getting your way. And it's easier to leverage the circumstances. That way you don't look bad. Because let's face it, if you say, the reason I'm mad at you is because I'm not getting my way in this relationship, you look like an idiot. But in reality, that's probably true. You're just not getting things the way you want them. And so whether it's kids arguing about the seat that they're going to sit in or the cereal bowl that they get. We had one cereal bowl that had ABCs around it. I don't know why we didn't throw that thing away. Because, man, I want the ABC bowl. No, I want I was here first. Oh, just trash the ABC bowl. Just get four plastic bowls that all look generic, you know. I want this. And so what happens is we battle with the desires that are within us. That is the reason for the quarreling is you're not getting things that you want or having things work out the way you want. And so it causes a problem within the circumstances. And if we would just face the fact that what's happening and the reason for this contention is because of how I am inside. The reason I get upset with that guy who cuts in front of me is because I want to be in front. The reason I get upset with that person at work who gets the promotion is because I wanted that promotion. The reason I have a hard time with my wife or your husband is because they're not doing things the way you would want them to do it. They're not being what you want for you. And so really, it's something that's taking place inside of you. If you want to change what's happening out around you, you need to deal with what's happening in you. And you see, James is not changing things. He's not shifting his conversation. It's always been about how we're dealing with each other. If you see a brother in need and you don't help him, what good is your faith? And now he's going to the place. The reason you argue is because you're selfish and you want things for you. And again, part of you is screaming out inside right now, nuh-uh. Then why? And he moves further into this conversation to help us understand just these things. 
he's trying to get us to have a recognition of what and why we're doing the things that we do. You desire, but do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God, and when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so you desire, but do not have, so you kill. Now, he's not talking about literally just killing someone. It's easy. Well, I don't kill. How have you destroyed the people around you with the things that you've said? How have you brought them down? How have you brought shame into them because you didn't, because they weren't acting the way you wanted to? How have you brought hurt to them because of the things that you've done in response to you not getting what you want. You see, your desires are killing the people around you if that is what you're living for. That's James in our face. As we said at the beginning, when we go through this book of James, you're in for a beating but he's hitting us at the reality of how we need to live. And we can get so focused on what we desire that we will do whatever we have at the expense of whoever is around us to fulfill what it is we want. And it happens in marriages, it happens at work, it happens in churches. I want our church to be big. And so I'm going to use all of you to accomplish what I want to see happen. I need you here at four in the morning. Why? Oh, we need to get the place ready. Why? Because I want to see this take place. Oh my gosh, I could tell you stories. I'm not going to tell you stories. There are so many things where we could use people to accomplish what we want. And then we get upset. We quarrel with them. Why? Because we're not getting things the way we want, in the time that we want, how we want. And so we destroy the lives of those around with no regard just because of what we want. And you can fill in the stories. You probably know of relationships where, you know, the husband has left his wife for the secretary. Why? His desire... And it destroyed his family. Why? Because he wanted something. And so him and his wife are quarreling. Why? Because he's not getting what he wants. And that selfishness causes the quarreling. And they covet. And that means they intensely pursue. That's what the idea of coveting is. And you manipulate, you slander, you you attack with your words, all to get the things that you want. Your desire is driving you to do whatever you want to get what you want. C.S. Lewis said that a glutton and a starving man think of food the same. Doesn't matter if you're a glutton or you're starving, that appetite causes you to think about what you want. One person is doing it out of necessity, the other person is just because they're obsessed. And we can get so obsessed with things that it's not out of necessity, it's just out of our 
own desire. What will satisfy me? What will make me happy? And you see, the, the, the sad thing about appetites is they never satisfy. That's why they're appetites, right? Have you ever eaten a meal and you sat down and eaten like, oh, I'm stuffed. You know, you have to pop a boat button open, you know, just, oh man, oh, this, I can't eat again. No, 20 minutes later, I'm in the cupboard, you know. Do we have any more cookies? You know, where, where are the cookies going? Because it's an appetite. You're, you're going to be hungry again. You're going to want again. And you see, no matter what you eat, it will not satisfy the appetite. In fact, sometimes pursuing the appetite only increases it. And so this coveting after things, these things that we want for our own self, what it does is increases our appetite. You will never have enough money to be satisfied and say, oh, I've got enough money. I don't need any more. You will never have the success you want. There's always something more you can do to be driven. And you will desire things and covet after things and you will squeeze the life out of everyone around you to get what you want. You will squeeze the life out of your partner so that they will make you happy. You will squeeze the life out of your children so that they'll be the kids that you want them to be. You will squeeze the life out of your friends to get them to do what you want to do. And when they don't, ha, You'll slander them because they didn't be, they weren't who you wanted them to be. And we use people for our own purposes. And James is hitting us where it hurts, hitting the nail on the head. You covet, you desire these things, and so you quarrel and you thought you fight. Just think about the things that you've done to get your own way. Things that maybe you've said. You do what you have to. You know, you, you strive for reputation, for relationships, appetite for success, appetite for prestige, appetite for power. And you're feeding the appetite only increases the capacity of that appetite and it doesn't go away. And if you don't recognize that appetite and that desire to fulfill yourself, you will continue to push relationships into places of quarreling and fighting. Next time you get in an argument, ask yourself, why am I fighting? What is the reason behind it? Well, because they did this to me. Okay, why do I want to fight about that? Well, because I'm not getting my way. How can I change this so that it's not a quarrel, but it's something productive? So it's not about me, but it can be about actually us. What would happen if a husband and wife got together and something happened that caused friction, something someone did for the reasons that they did it, and instead of trying to fix them, they thought, how can we fix us? How, how can I show you that what you've done is hurting us? And it's not just about me. 
How can we change our conversation to be one that actually produces something beneficial instead of this, well, if you tore me down, I'm going to tear you down. How many times in an argument has someone said to you, well, you did this, and the first thing out of your mouth, well, you did this. How is that helping to be where you want to be? Or is it just continually cutting, cutting, cutting? Why? Because I'm not getting what I want. And so you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Now, I love this because I've heard this verse so many times. Well, the reason you're not having anything in your life is because you're not praying. But the whole idea here is in relationship. You see, the reason there's quarreling, there's fighting is because you're expecting this person to be the source of your happiness. You're here to make me happy. That's why I married you. And you're failing, by the way. Well, me not failing, you got a D. There's room for improvement. You see, you're expecting something else or someone else to be the source of your happiness. And again, you'll squeeze them until you can get it. What about asking God to be the source of your happiness? What about instead of expecting this person to fulfill your life, you actually say, God, how can you fulfill my life? And maybe it'll include that person, but now God is a part of the equation. It's not just you getting what you want. It's about involving God. And instead of using poison words to turn your wife or husband around, ask God to do a work in their lives. Ask God to do a work in your relationship. Ask God to help you at work. Ask God to be a part of your financial struggles. Ask God to be a part of these areas that are causing stress and conflict in your life. Ask God. Include him in the picture. After all, don't you belong to him? Aren't you naming yourself with him as a follower of Christ? Then where is he in this conversation with you? Include him. You don't have these things. You're fighting and quarreling because you're not inquiring from God how to deal with these things. You're expecting others to help you out of this. You're looking to them for the source of your happiness. Look to God and ask him to be a part of arranging things and working things out to better your life in these circumstances. In chapter 1, verse 17, James wrote, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. The things that you need come from the Father. So why not seek Him for those things? So one of the reasons you have not is because you don't ask. And also you don't have because you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That word pleasures is the same word as desires. It's the same word. Do your desires reflect the heart of God? Or are they selfish? Are they about you getting your way? Well, I just want to be happy. What does happiness look like? Well, it looks like me on an island in Hawaii with a lot of money and a speedboat. And, you know, 
Okay, yeah, God's all behind that. That'll change the world. Give them what they want. My desire is success in this business. My desire is this. What are your desires? Because God is not backing you if you're not in line with him. And so recognizing our desires in the heart of God need to be the same. You'll never be satisfied when your appetite is selfish and is just one of consumption. And you will squeeze the life and love out of everyone around you to get what you want. We need to recognize that we don't get many times is because what we would get would actually poison the world around us. How many people are in debt, not because of what they need, but because of what they wanted? How many of you are paying credit card bills and you don't even remember what it was you bought? But I'm still paying for it. When Karina and I first got married, I had my priorities right. I got a, a TV and it wasn't just any TV, it was a monitor TV. You see, because the monitor TV didn't have a tuner that the VCR would go through, and so it would give you a clearer picture. And I didn't just get a VCR, I got a hi-fi VCR. It had five heads, that's right, five-head VCR. And I had a stereo system that I can connect my TV to, and we could watch... Raiders of the Lost Ark, and we could feel it <laughs> there on the VCR. And, and I'm embarrassed to tell you how much I paid for my VCR, because now they go for like 30 bucks. <laughs> I paid $900 for this VCR. Yeah. But hey, we were newly married, needed to have the right things, you know. And, and I loved my TV and I, I loved my VCR hi-fi definition with the stereo that you could actually record onto and my sound system. And, and then we had kids. <laughs> they didn't appreciate the stuff. And, and then... We had to move because we had the twins and we moved to another place. And shortly after we moved, our house got broken into. And they stole my TV, my VCR, and my stereo. And I was still paying for them. This isn't going anywhere. I'm just reliving the hurt in my, in my life, okay? I'm just sharing with you my pain that you could feel. You know, it really wasn't a need, but boy, did I want it. Boy, did I want that. And so we had credit, just new credit. This is amazing stuff. Look it. You can buy it and keep paying for it forever. But we want it now. And so we put it on credit. We do what we can to satisfy that appetite now. We want it now. In chapter 3, verse 14, James says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it 
or deny the truth. Remember, we talked about the truth is the gospel. Do not deny what it is we believe by how you treat others. Do not deny the truth of what the gospel is by how you use others for yourself. And don't deny that you are using others for yourself. If you and I would be aware of this, it would change for the better every relationship we have. If we would acknowledge the reasons we're fighting and quarreling and look at how we are being selfish. Now, I'm not saying that every thing that someone does doesn't have consequences or you're hurt because of something that someone does, but most of our quarreling is because of we're not getting our way, not getting the things that we want, wanting to consume them on our own pleasures. And then he says, you adulterous people. Why would he say that? It's kind of funny. Some of these, it seems like James is jumping from one thing to the other. As you start reading this, and we'll try and get through it real quickly here, but he's really not. He's still talking about the same thing. You see, again, who are you looking to to satisfy? If you're looking for other people, you're looking for your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, your kids, then you're adulterous people. In other words, God's not enough to satisfy your life. You're expecting them to. And so you're putting a burden on people and he's saying, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Now, how many times have you heard this verse but haven't put it in this context? You hear, an enemy of the world, that's right. That world, it's an enemy. All those people, all those sinners. Don't be friends with those sinners, the things that you're doing. Don't watch those movies. Don't listen to that music. Don't eat that food. I don't know, whatever they, they're saying. You know, don't, don't do those things that the world is doing. But he's not talking about the things that people who aren't of faith are doing. That's not what he means by friendship with the world. His conversation this whole time is that of speaking to followers and now identifying with the selfishness. That's what he's talking about. Self-centeredness. Don't be like the world who just does things for themselves. He's not talking about particular events. He's talking about the heart. You see, something is supposed to happen in us. When we come to, to be followers of Jesus, we look at him as our example. And what did he do? He gave. He sacrificed. He loved to the expense of his own life. He made a difference in the lives of those around him because of how much he cared. How do you look like Jesus or do you look like the world? The friendship with the world has to do with just you living for yourself. Instead of recognizing that there's a God who has given himself for us, we love him because he first loved us. And that's what we need to be drawn to. A friend of the world becomes an enemy of God when a friend of the world is a person who makes themselves to be God. 
living for themselves. And so it has nothing to do with, oh yeah, don't be friends, don't, you better, don't wear the clothes they wear. Don't do the things they do. It's talking about don't live as if God is not a reality. Don't live and not allow him to have a voice in your life. Stop playing games with God. Own up to the selfishness that is there so you can deal with it. And then start imitating Jesus who was selfless. It's a tall order, but it's what we have stepped into as believers in Christ, as followers of Jesus. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Verse 5, or do you think the scripture says without reason that he is jealously longs for the spirit that he caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. See, here's the context. He is jealous for you. Why? Because you belong to him and he opposes the proud, those who are self-motivated, those who are about serving self, gives grace to the humble. Why are you quarreling? Why is there fighting among you? What was supposed to be the evidence that we are followers of Christ? Let me see. What was it again? Because you have right theology, people will know that you are my disciples. Is that it? Because you have kicking music, all men will know you are my disciples. Because you got lots of money and it's successful, by this all people will know you are my disciples. No, it's by love that all men will know that you are my disciples, by your love one for another. Where then does the quarrelings come? Why is there fighting? If you love one another, can you accept that a person believes things different than you or is it your job to slander them because they don't quite see scripture the right way? And we're more interested about us being right than Jesus being honored. Love for one another is selfless. How can I help you? Every now and then I'll get a, an email or a text or a message on Facebook. Someone asking me, hey, can we get together? Or hey, can we meet and talk? And sometimes I'll, I'll get those messages and I'm like, ah, I ain't got time for this. Ain't nobody got time for this. You know, it's just... And I'm always reminded of God's taking time for me. And I need to check my heart because sometimes I can't. Sometimes I can't make it. I'm sorry. This is my schedule and these are my you know, obligations and they're important. But every now and then it's like, oh, that was, I just didn't want to do anything that evening. It's going to require a couple of hours People will know who you belong to 
if you love others. And love is going to cost you a lot. And it's worth it. And so let's give up the appetite of our own desires. And let's take on the appetite for God's desires for others. So that we make a difference in the world around us. So that his voice can be heard in us and through us. And let's search our own hearts and see, why are we quarreling? Why is the argument taking place? Is it really about the circumstance or is it because the desire that's battling within me? I want my way. And if we can see that I'm not getting my way and that's why I'm unhappy, then you need to change your desire. How do you change your desire? How how can I do that? By desiring the right things. By living for the right things. I'm always surprised at how quickly our desires can change. And then we say, I don't know what happened to me. I just, you know, did this and it was done. Well, do that the other way. I don't know what happened to me. I just all of a sudden started being nicer. I don't know what happened to me. All of a sudden I just started caring. I don't know what happened to me. I I started giving of my time instead of taking other people's time. You know, it can go both ways. Desire the right things and then start stepping into them and see if the desire doesn't follow your action and not the other way around. Let's pray. Lord, every good and perfect gift comes from you, Father of lights. Lord, you have so much to give to your children. And many times we don't receive it because we're not in a position or posture to receive it. We've postured ourselves to take it from others. And so there's quarreling, there's fighting among us, And it's all because of the way we are facing and what we are desiring. And Lord, we're all in this. This is a we message. This isn't about others. This is an us message. And God, what we need is to recognize our appetites. And when we are hungry for things that are not healthy, when we are hungry for things that are selfish, we need to stop. We need to stop squeezing the life out of those around us. And we need to start pouring life in to those around us. And Lord, as we pour out, you can pour in. We will ask and receive and give. We will not ask for ourselves to hold on to, but we will be vehicles for you to use to pour love around the world and those around us. Change our hearts. Help us to see 
And may our lives be of use to you because you are our desire. You are the one who we hunger and thirst for. And if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, then and only then can we be filled. We hunger for you, Lord Jesus. Amen.